bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. I'm Paul Dregu. We're glad you can join us. The New American Daily takes the most important news stories of the day. We strain out the propaganda and we bring you the truth. So if you enjoyed this show, please share these episodes with others and help us get past the many censors doing their best to silence us. Now, the U.S. military had a busy weekend in the Middle East, and U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan hinted that an outright strike on Iran is certainly not off the table. Also, Christian Gomez and Peter Rykowski of the John Burr Society research team will join us for a discussion titled Secession or Nullification. We have all that coming up. But first, last week, seven migrants living off U.S. taxpayers and charities in New York City ganged up to attack police officers. The attack was captured on video. Also captured on video was the remorse that some of them felt after being caught. NYPD making two more arrests, illegal immigrants, and that attack on officers. Those suspects also allegedly stole an officer's cell phone. Well, that'll help them track you down. So a fifth illegal immigrant accused of attacking two New York City police officers over the weekend showed no remorse or regret. We were kidding. They apparently didn't feel bad at all. If only someone would have warned us that rewarding people for illegally entering our country with free stuff was going to come back to harm us. And speaking of the patients taking charge of the asylum, by Wednesday, Manhattan's utterly corrupt district attorney, Alvin Bragg, the guy busy waging banana republic-style lawfare against Trump, released four of the migrants without bail. The migrants naturally responded by continuing to take advantage of America's suicidal stupidity by hopping on a bus to California, another once normal place that has since been turned into a wasteland under the leadership of neo-Marxists, full-blown Marxists, and open border advocates, many of whom are also Marxists. The migrants received the bus tickets, according to reports from a faith-based charity. Clearly, no one in that equation was hampered by the pesky release condition that legally prohibits suspected criminals on parole from leaving the state. When reporters asked Mr. Bragg why he released people who assaulted police officers without bail, he ignored them. He sauntered past them, all high and mighty, as if he's the king of Manhattan and answers to no one. The attack, however, may have knocked some sense even into New York Governor Kathy Hochul, who commented on the matter while riding the subway. Get them all and send them back. You don't, you don't touch our police officers. You don't touch anybody. Despite their short tenure in the Big Apple, by the time the migrants attacked the police, some of them had already racked up prior criminal charges. One of them had been charged twice, once for slugging a Nordstrom rack employee while trying to steal $130, and another time for punching a worker at Macy's last month while trying to rob the retailer with two other people, all allegedly, of course. Brett Weinstein is a biologist who recently traveled to the Darien Gap in Panama to learn more about the invasion on our southern border. The Darien Gap is a Panamanian jungle that about half a million migrants traversed last year to get to the U.S. Weinstein recently talked to Tucker Carlson about what he learned during this trip. He visited two camps, he said, one filled with migrants from Latin America and everywhere else, and one filled with Chinese nationals. The latter was located after the Darien Gap. He said the Chinese camp, unlike the other one, was almost entirely off-limits and the Chinese who camped there tight-lipped and seemingly hostile. Weinstein believes that we have on our hands a malicious invasion embedded in, or as he called it, cloaked in a mass migration of people fleeing to the U.S. for economic reasons. Here is more from Weinstein. 
outside of the San Vicente camp, the Chinese migrants are, um, you can interact with them. There are a couple of shops where they go to buy water or snacks or whatever. And so you can interact with them at those places. They are the opposite of forthcoming. They have no interest in talking to outsiders. And I've been to dangerous places before. I've been to places where people fear their government and can't talk to you because they feel it's not safe. This didn't feel like that at all. This felt like people who did not want to share information because it would be a mistake to do so. And what's more, there was an incident where Michael, who has lived in China, he's been all over the world, and he started up or tried to start up a conversation with uh, a guy who claimed to be from Korea. And Michael tripped him up and got him to speak Chinese. And then there was uproarious laughter at the fact um, that he had tried to pull this caper on Michael. So it is not a friendly migration. What I began to suspect was that the Chinese migration is actually being cloaked by the economic migration coming from South America. Joining me to discuss today's stories is executive senior editor of The New American, Steve Bonta. Welcome, Steve. Hey, Paul. Hey, so there is so much to discuss regarding uh, the bill that came out in, in, in this interview. Now, you've lived in China for a few years, and uh, during our meeting this morning, you had some, uh, some interesting uh, views on what Weinstein is describing. I think our audience would, would uh, benefit from hearing your thoughts on what he said he, in, uh, his interactions with the Chinese down there. Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> before drawing any definitive conclusions, and Weinstein was, I mean, I watched the video also, he was, I think, appropriately cautious mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, he, he would often say, well, here are things that are definitely true that I saw. Yeah. Here are things that seem to be the case, and he tried to signal whenever it was and that he was speculation. speculating. So, yes. so in the case of, of, of the Chinese camps A very scientific approach. And the Chinese immigrants. Um, this much I know. Some of them are legitimate in the sense that they're fleeing China because of the bad economic conditions and so forth. I, I have seen videos <clears throat> uploaded by the Chinese onto YouTube mm. showing, you know, I mean, one thing Weinstein said was that most of them have more money than the immigrants coming from Africa and other places. So they tend to take these, these uh, they take more expensive, but they, they get ferried by boats yeah. across the border. So they don't have to walk through the rainforest. Mm. However, um, some of them do, and some of them do bring wives and children. I saw a video of one such guy. He was from Fujian province, I think, in southeast China, and uh, just an ordinary guy. And he said, in effect, you know, I used to run a, I think it was a bakery or something like that, and it's just impossible now. The thing that needs to be taken into account, you know, a lot is being made of the fact that many of the, China, the, the you know, the bulk of these Chinese immigrants supposedly are military-aged young men. Yes. Well, it also needs to be borne into account that that same demographic in China is more hopeless now than has ever been the case in the past. Uh, the, the unemployment rate, well, the Chinese government has actually stopped reporting it officially. It's gotten so, to be so damaging. But the unemployment rate in, 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 as a result of the Chinese economic and financial implosion that's taking place right now after years and years of essentially unfettered growth fueled by foreign investment is such that more than 50% of the population 
of 20 to 30 somethings are unemployed. Yeah. Okay. And these include, I mean, China has a large number of people who are university graduates. It's not an easy thing to even get into a Chinese university to take the 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 awesome Gaokao test, which is true to Chinese culture going back many centuries, a very difficult test to take. It takes months and months and months of preparation. Not everyone passes it. Yeah. So it's a very difficult, arduous uh, process in China to get into a university and then to get through and then to graduate with a degree. And until fairly recently, i.e. up until COVID, mm-hmm. um, there was a reasonable expectation that if you went through this pr- process, in the end, you would be hired into what we would consider, you know, a, a middle or upper, upper middle class type job. Yeah. Money seemed to grow on trees in China there for several decades. And suddenly that's all gone. And so these people are graduating by the millions now. No and they prospects. have zero hope with no prospects. Does, so, does the, does China... so I do suspect that some of them are legitimate because what they do, many of them, yeah, they can they go well. They all go via Ecuador, which gives the, unlike many countries in Latin America, Chinese like Americans can enter Ecuador mm. without a visa. So, but but they have to disguise it so they won't fly directly from China or Ecuador. Yeah. If so they won't be allowed to leave. They'll literally China literally interviews every single China Chinese citizen Who leaving leaves? an international airport. Where are you going? They lecture them. You better not be careful what you say when you're abroad. And this kind of thing. Um, and so they'll fly to Thailand, and then from there they'll fly to some European destination, and then eventually get you know fly to Ecuador, and then from Ecuador they they follow this over overland kind of under, underground yeah. railway system, as it were. Uh, through the the Darien Gap and then and into the United States. So I'm not at all convinced that they're necessarily all military. It's why a lot of people are making these asseverations don't understand mm. how bad things have gotten in China. But yes. We'll, well have more to say We could continue that. discussing that. But after this, another thing we really need to discuss is the Senate border bill. So we're going to come back and look at that. In 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive, it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the U.S. Unknown agents from around the world using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists, Is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of control. Immigration invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at thenewamerican.com slash outofcontrol. The New American has just released our latest bookazine, a collection of articles on self-reliance. It's called Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. Without individual responsibility and without the ability to take care of ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. In this Polish Collector's Edition, we have articles on a number of important topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, building a wood shack, and the importance of community, among many other topics. Now, the authors of the articles are experts in their fields. We encourage you to get a copy. You can order your copy at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office at 800-727-8783. However you do it, make sure you get your copy of Self-Reliance, The Foundation of Freedom. 
All right, welcome back, folks. So, Steve, you wanted to add a little bit more on the Chinese who seem to be immigrating here. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's just to point out that there, there, there is a strong incentive for fit Chinese young men with, with, with no prospects in China to get out of Dodge. Okay, so there is that. And I, and I have no doubt that some of them probably are legitimately trying to do this. Why young men? In some cases, probably because they, they're, they're the most apt to get here, mm. find employment, and then use the tra- chain immigration system to, b- to bring family and friends yeah. Or family, family in that that well, kind of well, thing. Well, that can make sense. Though, well, because- another thing to bear in mind, though, is from the point of view of Xi Jinping, is there anything nefarious in the Chinese government? It's very probable that there are, you know, government, you know, so-called little pinks, Xiaofan uh, Hong, they call them in Chinese, mm-hmm. which is the term for these ardent young, you know, fanatics, supporters of Xi Jinping and the, and the Communist Party. Um, there are doubtless among them some who, yeah. who, who are, I, I mean, I, I have no doubt. But it's also true. If I were Xi Jinping, I would say, you know, the last thing I want in China is to have a massive population of young men, of very angry young men, because that's what causes terrorism and revolution. I mean, it's pretty clear that's a major cause of of terror, you know, fomenting terrorism in the Middle East. There are no prospects for young men. You and I both know what it's like to be young and. And and dealing with youthful hormones and all this yeah, sort of yeah. thing and well, it's and, the young and, men that you know, cause most of the violence we saw during. That's the right. That's right. So so it could well be that the Chinese government is partly is partly facilitating it, but not necessarily entirely for the reasons yeah. that are being imputed to it. I.e., they they just want a, a release valve to get these guys out of there so they can go somewhere else and not make trouble in China. But I would like to see for myself. Um, it's yeah. it's hard to know. It's yeah, very well, complex. Well, you might, but we're not going to say anything that, more about but, that. But, but, you know, the Chinese issue aside, the big deal is, at least the big deal that I got out of out of what Weinstein said, is is the, the overt presence of the United Nations. And yes. the way that the UN, in cahoots with its primary sponsor, the U.S. US government, yep. is, is clearly on the ground in Panama, in these remote sites, facilitating, organizing, encouraging... And doing everything. This organization called the IOM, the International Organization of Migration, is one of the older UN organs. It's been around since, I think, 1951. Mm-hmm. And as Weinstein correctly noted, its express purpose, which anyone can read if they visit the website under you know, our mission, says this. They believe effectively in unfettered immig- uh, migration yeah. all over the world. They think it's inevitable. It's a good thing. Uh, they frankly they believe in no sovereign borders because right, they don't they, believe in national yeah, sovereignty. Yeah, and, and I have no doubt some of their people are probably these starry-eyed liberal idealists, you know. But 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 some of them are are gimlet-eyed, pragmatic globalists who understand that want that the process of globalization and laying the foundations for a world government perforce involves the destruction of international boundaries. Absolutely. And how yeah. better to do that than via mass migration of this sort? Yeah. And speaking of mass migration, there's this bill we've been hearing so much about. And Biden has been saying, my team has been working on this bill. And when it comes out, I am all willing to sign it. Well, yesterday it came out. It's 370 pages. And there's a couple good folks who really looked at it. Uh, but it includes a, it's a big supplemental, almost 120 million, only 20, 20 billion, I mean, of which goes to the actual border. The rest goes to Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan um, aid. It also does have that uh, that parameter that allows for 5,000 illegal uh, migrants uh, a day for up to eight days. Then apparently there's some sort of restriction that kicks in. Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, has already said, he said, actually, he tweeted, he said, I've seen enough. This bill is even worse than we expected. 
Um, any thoughts on that? I mean, this was was put together by Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, Kristen Cinema, and of course James Langford. There, it doesn't sound like it has a chance. So, what what do you think is all behind this? Is this a political stunt to show during election season that the Republicans really don't want secure borders? Because that's the narrative they're pushing right now. Well, I think characterizing it as a political stunt probably understates the severity and uh, you, you know uh, indeed the sinisterness of what's going on. Okay, so 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 let's let's backtrack. What's the point of this 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 untrammeled immigration? The point is nothing more and nothing less than the destruction of the United States as we know it. Okay? Yes, it is a direct reaction to the existential threat faced by the American radical left establishment, or do I repeat myself? As a result of the Trump challenge, okay, as a result of the MAGA movement, they understand that if they do not act now and in an expedited manner, they're going to find themselves ushered out of power on a basis that'll be very hard for them to undo. Okay, if Trump gets reelected in the fall and they're not able to finesse the elections as they did in 2020 and 2022, and more to the point, if there's, if there's a massive tsunami that, that, that also, you know, restore, that puts that MAGA type Congress. Yeah. In control of Congress, not just GOP, but, but MAGA type GOP, yeah. GOP. Um, it's over for them. Yeah. Right? It, well, I don't know if it's over. I mean, the, this battle is never going to be over, but it will be a, it would be a secular generational setback for them. So they are pulling out all the stops to do as much damage as they possibly can mm -hmm. to the American body politic. I have no doubt that some of them are cynical enough that they're hoping against hope that they that they can enable the infiltration of enough, enough communist Chinese agents, agent, uh, you know, saboteurs yeah. of enough, you know, and they highly trained Middle the Eastern, Middle Eastern Hezbollah terrorists yeah. that they'll pull off something this year or in the very near future that will provoke a national outcry mm. and and so forth. I mean, th these people are are agents of chaos because they nurture a deep-seated hatred yeah. for everything about the United States, except for, of course, its wealth, okay? Yeah. For everything about our culture, our traditions, our values, obviously our constitution, our political and legal systems, they aim to destroy it root and branch because they have learned, these yeah. people have, you know, the radical revolutionary faction that's been mm -hmm. around in the Western world for several hundred years has learned from long experience that in a country like the United States, where you have a very fat, contented, successful middle class that isn't interested in revolutionary change. It's a very hard sell, and so you need to be ruthless. Yeah. Okay? That is their aim. Let me get your thoughts on something, and we discussed this off air. Mike Johnson also said, I believe on Friday or Saturday, that he believes that Biden is not making these decisions. I agree with that. Uh, Chip Roy said a couple weeks ago during a press conference on the border, he said exactly what you said. He's one of the few who has reflected that, that being that he said they want to change our way of life. Now, you seem to think that Biden does have some say on this. I don't I I think he's fully controlled. I think he's got handlers. I don't think he I mean, he may be able to sign it. He's on board. But give me your take. Give our audience your take on how my, much you think. Well, my take, you know, is for, and this is this is purely judgmental on my part. I've never met yeah. the man. But his actions speak louder than his words. He has always been a leftist radical. This, this idea, this faux distinction that you sometimes hear, well, you know, the, the Democratic Party didn't used to be this way, and the radical left didn't used to be so extreme. You know, they used to be, they used to be more humanitarian, and they've just gone completely bonkers. No, what's happened is they've gotten more power. They've and as a out. result of that, 
they've been able to remove the mask. And that includes Biden. And a lot of this stuff about, oh, well, he's he's senile and doddering and all. Yes, he is old. He is senescent. He has episodes of senility. But you'll notice he becomes very lucid. You know, the, 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 that, that lucid, focused, dark Brandon persona emerges very quickly. I don't work he, for you, man. Yeah, when he, sta- when he starts uh, going after the MAGA people, when he starts uh, defending all of his radical policies. Yeah. Make no mistake about it. Yeah, day-to-day decisions. There are people that are doing, I mean, uh, an administration as sprawling as his, obviously, the right hand doesn't always know what the left hand's doing, figuratively speaking. But make no mistake, he's fully on board with the, with the full radical agenda and probably always has been. It's just in the past, he's been more careful to camouflage his true inclinations. And the same goes for some of the other, quote-unquote, more respectable members, a Chuck Schumer or somebody like this, who yeah. we are led to believe represent a traditional responsible version of the Democratic Party. Well, thank you, Steve. All right. Next up, we're going to discuss the latest military strikes in the Middle East. Hey America, how tired are you of mainstream corporate media's biased narratives and manipulated news? Their dishonesty and attempts to influence this generation have been exposed, put on display for anyone who's even half paying attention. But the New American Magazine has been an honest source of news and commentary for over 50 years. This is your opportunity to receive the stalwart of principled journalism at a deep discount. Picture a beautifully published magazine arriving at your doorstep twice a month, packed with insightful stories written with integrity. It's also available digitally on the New American's mobile app. Get up to speed with intelligent coverage from a freedom perspective. Right now, for a limited time, the New American is available to radio listeners at a 25% discount on a new subscription. Visit thenewamerican.com slash radio25 and receive 25% off. Subscribe today at thenewamerican.com slash radio25. Hey, listeners and readers, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you think about the stories we report, the way we report them, and what you'd like to hear more and less of, and any other comments or questions related to the New American Daily. You can send your comments and questions to daily show at the new american.com that's daily show at the new american.com and during our friday episodes we'll read some of your comments again send your questions to daily show at the new american.com the united states is now fighting on multiple fronts in the middle east there are the ongoing attacks against houthi targets in yemen and there are continuing strikes on iran-backed militias in iraq and syria since last friday Meanwhile, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan recently appeared on Meet the Press and discussed the possibility of expanding military action into strikes against Iran itself. Are strikes inside Iran off the table? Uh, Again, Kristen, sitting here on television, it would not be wise for me uh, to talk about what we're ruling in and ruling out. So you're not ruling it out? I'll just say the same thing one more time, which is I'm not going to get into what's on the table and off the table when it comes to the American response. Whatever more urgent claims since the first of the year that Iran is on the verge of a so-called nuclear breakout, the pretext for an American or Israeli attack on Iran, especially its nuclear assets, is being hyped up more and more. All right, Steve. So I don't know if you noticed that, but when uh, Sullivan was asked if strikes against Iran are off the table, his mouth was saying, well, his head was saying, no, definitely not. So that's that's clear there. 
Now, usually my default position when it comes to this sort of stuff is totally non-interventionist. We discuss it. We shouldn't probably be in the Middle East at all. But I got to say, there is some trepidation when I hear, when I think of an Iran that is uh, has nuclear capability. That is something that does scare me because those people are insane. Okay, well, <laughs> some historical perspective, and this may sound like we're maybe talking out of both sides of our mouth because it, it, it's a, it's a, it is a naughty problem. And if you think nuclear-armed North Korea is crazy, just wait till you see what happens when the Ayatollahs That's what get I'm their saying. hands on nukes. The, the, yeah. No question, that is a major problem. And I, you know, I, I, my thinking has evolved on this too. But here's something that needs to be borne in mind. They said similar stuff about Saddam Hussein and Iraq. Although they, in, in, in those days, for those of us that were around a generation ago when we were, when we were ginning up support for our invasion in 2003 of Iraq, mm-hmm. uh, well, actually, it was earlier than that. This is the Persian Gulf War. It was this, this idea that Saddam Hussein is getting, quote-unquote, weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. Okay? And, and so that but it could be, you know, it, it, it turned out he didn't really have even much in the way of chemical. He had some chemical weapons, not, not as many as we thought. But the idea was that Iraq had gone to a, a country called Niger, which has also been in the news recently for unrelated reasons, and it purchased yellow cake, which is a form of unrefined uranium. This was, it turns out, was a subtly uh, manufactured lie to, again, to, to, to gin up support for the invasion of, I think it was the invasion of Iraq the second time around in 2003, this idea that, well, if they're getting yellow cake, they must have a, a, a covert nuclear program. Well, the problem with that is, you, it, you know, it takes a lot more than a bunch of uranium to be able to actually build a nuclear weapon. It's an immensely costly, difficult process. It's almost impossible to do without being detected. Because, you know, the, the centrifuges that are required the, uh, and the very, very sophisticated engineering to create the so-called the krytons, which are mm. the switches that fire simultaneously from all parts of the, the you know, the globe, that, the metal globe that encases the, yeah. the, the, the core, the plutonium uh, yeah, core, yeah, yeah. you know, crushes it to we a critical mass. <laughs> and all that stuff is not something that you could do in your basement. Even a yeah. genius scientist or engineer couldn't do it. Even if you gave him most of the materials, it's and very— And he had a really big base. Yeah, there's a reason it takes countries like North Korea literally decades or Pakistan yeah. or India to do this, okay? Um, so it is. we do know that Iran has a substantial number of centrifuges— there are sites on the web that yeah. that say that you know that you can you know you can you can actually calculate when their so-called breakout time is, and it's supposed to have been last month, mm. January, when they reached the point of having enough uranium nearly enriched to yeah. to weapons grade that they could, in theory, assemble a nuclear bomb within a couple of weeks, mm. and we could we in Israel couldn't do anything about it. So supposedly they have passed, or are literally within days of passing that point. But that said, it's not clear that that's really true. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know. I, very, I mean, frankly, no one out there who doesn't have top security clearance knows some of the aspects of how these you, weapons are you, built. You so. would think Israeli and U.S. covert operations could take care of that. That seems, I mean, Israel has penetrated Iran before. They've, they've got, I mean, they. It, it is a thornier problem. Back in the early 1980s, Israeli forces took out a breeder reactor in Iraq in, at a place called Osirak. Oh, they went yeah, in there that's what I'm and bombed about. it. And, and then and at the time, of course, the, the Western press was horrified. How could they do such a horrible thing and mm-hmm. unprovoked attack? But then, of course, later on, when we, we, we butted heads with Saddam Hussein, 
we were probably pretty grateful that he didn't have nukes. Yeah. Um, but that aside, um, geographically, to get from Israel to Iran, you have to fly all the way across Iraq and then some considerable distance. Many, I mean, Iran is a much larger country with much more formidable geography than Iraq is. The centrifuges at Natanz and elsewhere are buried deep underground, mm. presumably impervious even to these, the, the, these okay. mother of all bombs, bunker buster things that we have that we used in Afghanistan. So it's not clear. Also, it's not clear whether, because it's beyond, these are beyond the range of any Israeli jet, so they would need refueling capacity. Yeah. And that's a trick. We could do it, but they would have a difficult time. So where, where, And I, it's also hard to imagine if we really want to do the job we and or Israel would have to land substantial numbers of troops there, you know, physically attack them, a sort of commando raid. The last time we tried that in Iran was when we when, when the Carter administration tried a, an abortive helicopter rescue mission, mm. and one of the helicopters crashed in the desert, wow. and so they had to retreat so it's, with so their tail between their legs. So it's not any, as easy as it would sound. Where, where does that leave us now? So it sounds like we both of us are skeptical, but at the same time, neither of us, and I imagine most of the American population, does not want a nuclear-armed Iran. So do you think this would be one of those campaigns, military campaigns, that for the first time Americans generally would support? It's hard to say. Given the current political climate, probably not, particularly in an election year where it would, it would as we've remarked before in the show, it would be remarked, it would, it would be perceived as a ploy by yeah. the Biden administration to, you know, to cry havoc, let slip the proverbial dogs of war, to shore up his image, and hopefully, from his point of view, his poll ratings yeah. in the months leading into into November. This is one thing that, that a U.S. president can always do. It has been done before. Uh, little remarked today is the fact that Bill Clinton attempted to do the very thing on, on the night before the impeachment vote against Clinton in the House of Representatives. He initiated a one-week-long air war against Iraq called Operation Desert Fox, and the Republicans at the time were horrified. I mean, this has mm. since been scrubbed from the history books. People don't even know this happened. But for one solid week, he bombed the heck out of Iraq and launched this big war. And all. That. And for no reason, it was very obvious that he was doing this to attempt to distract, to stave mm. off impeachment. You know, he was that unscrupulous. Everybody's forgotten about that. Yeah. So would Biden do something similar if 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 he is impeached, mm. as seems to be at least a possibility? Yeah. Uh, or if he, if, if he and his faction look to lose calamitously in the November elections, yeah. would this incentivize going all-out war? The problem with that is we just don't know. We don't know what's going on in Iran. It may well be that they're on the verge of assembling several nuclear devices. Although, again, I point out that there's a big gap also between making something go boom in a nuclear way, and that's why they call it a device, yeah. and actually making it a deliverable weapon, even something as simple as a bomb dropped out of the bay of an airplane. What, what, what do you think? I mean, we non-interventionists, one of the points made most often is that if we weren't involved at all in the Middle East, we wouldn't be seeing a lot of the hostility. Would that apply to this or would we still have an Iran? Yes, who yes, yes. Just a very, very quick answer to that, um, you know, we've garrisoned the Middle East for decades. There are over a, I'm given to understand, over 100 bases, large and small, where our troops are stationed, many of them within cooing distance of the Iranian border. It is absolutely fatuous to assume that they're not going to continue to provide a rich target environment and then, of course, a convenient political pretext to, to, to beat the war drums whenever it becomes expedient here at home. Well, thank you. That's a 
So and, yeah, we need to scale back, if not if not yeah. withdraw altogether. Yeah, and that might mitigate some of their hostility and make for an all-around better situation. Thanks, Steve. Next up, the John Birch Society research team discusses secession or nullification. Self-reliance. It's not a phrase we hear much in our culture these days. It might conjure up images of pioneers, the West, rifles, strapping men, and strong women. But what does it mean for us in today's world? The New American Magazine has just released its latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. In it, the New American authors outline the necessity of self-reliance for a free people, tips for self-reliant living, and the importance of not giving up hope. This unique edition includes articles on the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearms, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other topics by expert writers. Now, for a limited time, The New American is offering a bundle of three collector's editions, Self-Reliance, The Great Reset, and Trump World, for just $19.95. A great stocking stuffer, available at shopjbs.org. Visit shopjbs.org today. For more news and in-depth analysis from The New American Magazine, the kind that you will not get anywhere else, make sure you have a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of the magazine. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than The New American. You can subscribe online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top and then on the drop down, hit the subscribe button. Or if you prefer, you can call for a subscription. Call 1-800-727-8783 Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800-727-8783. For the first time in United States history, our federal government is led by overtly anti-American officials who seek our destruction. This is the first administration that hasn't even tried to hide its complete lack of loyalty to our country. One of the most blatant illustrations of this is the suicidal open border policies that the White House is forcing on the entire country. While clueless and spineless House Republicans continue droning on about Biden's mysterious refusal to secure the border, the leaders of Texas, however, have decided to take action and their attempt to secure their border while ignoring a Supreme Court order that more or less allows the feds to take down border barriers have triggered conversations about Texas secession. My colleagues in the John Birch Society Research Department, Christian Gomez and Peter Rykowski, are joining me to discuss if Texas should secede or nullify. Huh? Welcome, guys. It's great to be on, Paul. Thanks for having us on. I have a feeling I know where this is going, but yes, I feel like do. we should hash out the details there. Christian, I'm going to open it up to you first here. Well, to answer the question plainly, no, Texas should not secede, at least not now. Um, and they should uh, use nullification. They have there's tools in the uh, constitutional arsenal they can do you can use to restrain the federal government, and they should use those uh, tools as long as they're able to do so. What does a nullification look like? Is it what they're kind of already doing? I'll let Peter answer that one. Well, basically, so nullification. Nullification is the act of enforcing the U.S. Constitution. Uh, the Constitution makes very clear what the federal government can do, and it makes very clear that everything else is reserved to the states and to the people. Uh, the Founding Fathers uh, have uh, very strongly uh, you know, talked about that, you know, including in the Federalist Papers, and nullification is simply a state saying, you know, the federal government is refusing to follow the Constitution, mm. so we are going to make sure that it is actually yeah. followed. There's this misconception among uh, lawmakers and uh, elected officials, including Republicans, 
who think that nullification is secession. A good example of an illustration that would be when former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish of Wisconsin was uh, running for governor in this state and and failed to get the nomination of of the party. Um, She uh, was asked about whether she would support nullification against the federal government. And she was hesitant because she, in her mind, was pretending or believed it to be the same as secession. And like Peter was saying, it is a constitutional uh, act of the that the states can do. It's actually based on Article 6 and the 10th Amendment of yeah. the U.S. Constitution. So yeah, it sounds like Texas is, in, in fact, applying nullification because they're saying because the federal government has refused or for whatever reason has not done their job in protecting the borders, we therefore we're going to do it and nullify apparently the government's attempt to keep those borders open. Is that, am I getting that right? Well, the constitution makes very clear that uh, the federal government has an obligation to uh, protect the states from any type of invasion, but the states can take action themselves if they themselves are invaded which is what's happening right now with what we're seeing on the southern border. And the Biden administration is clearly refusing uh, to enforce our border laws. And not only that, but in previous years, the U.S. Supreme Court has unconstitutionally restricted states from enforcing uh, immigration laws. There's the case United States versus Arizona in 2012, I believe, where the Supreme Court overreached and said the states cannot actually enforce uh, such laws. So Texas now is pushing back yeah. against the Biden administration, even against this unconstitutional Supreme Court ruling and saying, we are actually going to enforce the Constitution to protect the sovereignty of our country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, that was surprising, I think, for a lot of people that the Supreme Court would would rule that way. Let's Let's step back a little bit on nullification, because there is a taint on this concept and that being that this is something that the racist and the segregationists used to use in the old times does that ring a bell can anyone talk about that well of of course uh since the civil war ended the way that it did um the history the history books are written by the victors and of course the way you're taught in the public school and in academia uh, you're taught that secession is something the states cannot do and it's bad and it's evil and they put lump nullification in the same category and they make it look like this is the cause of those who are pro-slavery or were pro-slavery but in reality nullification was used to protect slaves uh the case being here in the state of wisconsin where we're filming this program uh, we had uh, runaway slaves who were trying to get into Wisconsin to escape, uh, escaping from the South. Mm-hmm. And it was the state of Wisconsin that nullified uh, federal laws uh, and telling the slaves uh, to, you, you got to go back. Yeah, yeah and that, Wisconsin, that used to be federal law, right? Not only that, but Wisconsin then nullified a Supreme Court ruling, a U.S. Supreme Court ruling telling Wisconsin to abide by the federal law. Yeah, the Fugitive Slave Act was right. the law. So they yeah. not only nullified an act of Congress, but they nullified a court ruling. Oh, that's such a good answer. So you know, uh, so to Texas and Governor Abbott, I say, Wisconsin's done it before over 100 years ago. Now it's your turn, guys, to do it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, on a, on a slight sidebar here, the United States really cannot afford to lose Texas. Um, because oh, no. <laughs> because if Texas is gone, clearly that's the, that's the electoral votes that is almost always surely to make the difference in who wins the general election. When I was uh, at the Texas GOP convention last year in Houston, I met quite a few of those folks, uh, the Texit movement, and I talked to them and I was like, you know, if you guys achieve this, we're kind of screwed. Like the rest of us are kind of, you know, we're, 
we're kind of screwed because it's like, how are we supposed to, uh, to win without Texas? Obviously, this migration is targeted at Texas to turn Texas into what California is now. The same was applied in California in the 80s, and, and they've successfully turned uh, California into a wasteland run by neo-Marxists with open border policies. Um, can nullification be, can other states who want to resist the effects of this mass migration, is there any kind of nullification that they can apply? Well, yeah, yes. Short, short answer is yes. There's a lot that they can do, uh, both on the immigration issue and on a whole lot of other issues. So, for example, many states, they have laws that uh, they give all these taxpayer benefits to illegals. So, for mm. example, in-state tuition at uh, schools, public housing, and so many other you know, various areas, uh, allowing them to work in the state. Yeah. Uh, and all of that incentivizes illegal migration. Yes. Uh, and not only that, but states uh, constitutionally, they have the authority to enforce immigration law. Yeah. And all of that, the, the states, not just on the, on the southern border, but throughout Anywhere the country, they, they, are, they are not doing those things. So states need to take away the incentives that encourage migration and they mm -hmm. need to actually begin yeah. enforcing immigration laws. And those are things that they can uh, very easily do with the very strong effect. So everyone who who lives in a state that's run by somewhat sane people can encourage, I, is it the governor, is it their state legislature to say, hey, nullify any incentives that might bring illegals here, including right to work, uh, driver's license. Universal all. education for um, the children of illegals. Yeah. The children that are illegal. Yeah. Right. Let, now, you guys have a bunch of stuff on nullification, legislative alerts. With a minute left, tell us tell us where people can go to get some of this information and what they should do. Yeah, so we encourage everyone to go to jbs.org forward slash alerts and then scroll down until you see a map of the 50 states and then click on the state you live in. And we have alerts on all different types of topics, but especially nullification. Yeah. Uh, there are bills being introduced all across the country uh, that are pushing back against this unconstitutional federal overreach. And people and, need to support those. Huh? Yeah, and people can very easily contact their legislators through that. And then yeah. more broadly, uh, the state legislators are very important for uh, enacting this change You know, and actually enforcing our constitution. So we encourage everyone to be contacting their state legislators, yeah. tell them to nullify every unconstitutional federal mm -hmm. law or edict, including on the issue of immigration. And we got all that included in the description below. Good job, guys. Really, really good job, because that is uh, that is something that anyone can act, and we don't have to wait on the Biden administration to do something. Terrific stuff. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of The New American TV. Remember to visit newamerican.com for more truth behind the news. Have a good rest of the day.